Welcome in to the Tuesday Night Longhorn live stream presented by Energy Texas. My name is Jerry Hamilton. Man, I'm excited about this one. Joined by Rod Bavers, lifetime Longhorn, starting cornerback, NFL draft pick, and Brian Irwin, UT grad, two-time state champion, head football coach in the state of Texas. Rod, there's only one guy wearing state championship rings here, I believe. So. Hey, and it, and it, yeah, you know it ain't me. <laughs> I think Brian, I got, Rod, I don't know if you know the story. We're going to get into it. And, and Texas fans, tell us all where you're coming in from tonight. I'm in Friendswood. Rod's in Austin. Coach is on the road in Texas, Texarkana. Um, let me know where y'all are at all around the globe, like y'all do every Monday morning, but or every morning for our Longhorn uh, coffee and football. But coach, you got at some point you got to tell the Rashad Bobino story about how you what you <laughs> told Matt Brown because I, I've heard it a few times, but a lot of Texas fans haven't. And at some point we're going to get into that. Uh, but before we get going, guys, I'm going to take a second. Uh, to tell you about Energy Texas, a sponsor of the Longhorn Livestream on Tuesday night. Energy Texas here to help Texans take their energy savings by the horns with our Freedom Flex plan for $4.95 a month. You can switch plans every 30 days without penalty. Enjoy Texas size rewards and Texcellent customer service you can hang your hat on. We serve Texans without the bull. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texas. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the great state of Texas, not back east, no overseas, just Texans. We're proud to be the from the greatest state in the union and proud still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. So thank you again to Energy Texas uh, for being the sponsor of the Tuesday night Longhorn live stream. A couple of things, guys, right off the bat. Uh, I, I just posted on Inside Texas, DJ Campbell returned to practice today. Obviously, he had the ankle rolled up on uh, it, Saturday in the win over Rice. Cole Hudson also back at practice this week, according to Justin Wells of Inside Texas, practicing with the ones at right guard. So what's going to happen on the offensive line this week? Looks like it's going to be back to last year's starting five at least to start the game if the first two days of practice are any indication. That would make sense going uh, on the road in Tuscaloosa. Also on the recruiting front, Zena Umeo-Zulu, four-star edge prospect out of Allen, younger brother of Neto, uh, the uh, left guard for Texas. He announces his decision at 6 p.m. tomorrow night at Allen High School. We will have a live stream, Bobby Burton, myself, for that announcement. Justin Wells will be in Allen High School for that announcement. So, Big announcement coming. Texas is the favorite over AM and Oklahoma. We'll see if uh, what side of the bed uh, Zena wakes up on in the morning. Will it be Texas or will it be AM or Oklahoma? I have a pretty good guess, but we'll let him tell everybody. Uh, but let's get just y'all's overall thoughts. We're going to get to all you guys' questions. Already got some super chats coming in. Uh, but, Coach, let's start with you. Just your overall thoughts right now. Tuesday, headed into Texas, BAM on Saturday night. You know, I think we're all excited, big time excited. Uh, knowing that we played them last year, you know, knowing how we got after them last year and played well, I don't think there's going to be any intimidation factor. Uh, I know it's going to be a lot more tough going into Tuscaloosa and playing over there, but I don't think there's going to be any intimidation factor. Our guys proved last year that we can step on the field, we can go toe to toe with these guys. I think we're much more physically ready this year than we even were last year. So, hey, let's let's show up. Uh, let's let's get these guys on the bus and off the bus. Let's roll the football out there and let's see what happens. 
Yeah. Uh, Rod, your thoughts. Uh, Tuesday, I know I know both of you guys have a lot of thoughts. We're going to take questions, get into specifics on the X's and O's. You guys' thoughts, maybe positionally on some certain players, but your thoughts tonight on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, uh, the SEC is a line of scrimmage league, right? Uh, this will be about the line of scrimmage. And I feel real good about what I saw in the defensive line of scrimmage. They're deep. And uh, I love the quote from Jaron Thompson. They're nasty and violent. <laughs> it's a nasty, yep. violent bunch. I know that coach thinking about it too. That, that's a nasty, violent group. Uh, I feel real confident that group going into uh, Tuscaloosa. The offensive line, there's some things to work on. They're already, hell, they've already made like multiple moves on the offensive line uh, to mm-hmm. try to correct and remedy some issues. And we know pass protection, um, that was something that was a cause for concern versus Rice. And also they weren't able, I think Sark was a little agitated. They weren't able to impose their will. We know it was a vanilla game plan. Sark didn't add any innovation or creativity to it. Mm-hmm. We get that. Uh, but I think he just wanted to see them maul Rice. Uh, and they didn't maul Rice. They did in the second half. They got better with that in the second half. But I think he wanted to see it for four quarters. Remember, that's the big issue with this Texas team. They haven't not yet but been a four-quarter team. They have not yet. That's what we need to see from the team. Even JT Sanders, guys, he had a great quote, uh, and I would just paraphrase for him. Um, he, he was talking about his touchdown, and he said, yeah, we know people th- think that we're not a second-half team. He said that during the quote. So they know that people th- think they're not a second-half team. That's going to be a big part of it. And if you're going to close out in the fourth quarter, it's going to be your big dogs on the line that's going to do it for you, man. It's going to be the dogs that's going to do it for you. I think, yeah. Rod, too, along what you just said is, is huge. And and just the belief factor, kind of what, what you just talked about, what I talked about, we're going in Tuscaloosa, and and we believe we can do this. Uh, there, there's no doubt. There's no intimidation factor. We're going over there believing and expecting to win the ball game. And, uh, you know, we're all excited to see what the outcome is. Yep. Uh, we got a bunch of super chats rolling in here. Um, I think uh, producer Matt's going to throw a couple up. Okay, I had to get this one out of the way, Coach. So, Justin Yarbrough, you're going to know where he's from. He gives me Friendswood flack. I graduated from Friendswood. So, he threw a super chat at me after Texas City beat Friendswood last week. So, he wants to hear you talk about the Battle of the Bay in the mid late mid to late 2000s. I, I guess I guess you finished two and three against Texas City. I don't know. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I was uh, – I don't think I finished two and three. Uh, we, 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 we finished with a winning record, and uh, the last I remember in 06, we beat them twice. Uh, he may be talking about Battle of the Bay, but I, in 06, we beat them twice. We rung them up during district, and then we rung them up in the quarterfinals over at Galena Park. So I, I'm not sure he remembers exactly how this thing went down. Hey, Justin, thank you for the super chat. I love it. Uh, that, I love, that's great. Now, but hey, Texas City did get friends with again this year. All right, friends with, we got a little few issues going on right now. New coaching staff over there. Uh, Poke Casino, hook them all day, every day. Wow, coach on the live stream. The best I played against, Bobbino in the state semis. He played at Alamo Heights, obviously. Uh, you guys got him that year they won. Thank you, Poke Casino, for that super chat. I'm sure you remember that game. I do. And I, I think that was the last game ever to be played in uh, the Astrodome. And what I remember about it the most was pouring down rain outside, and it was pouring down rain inside too, because that dome was uh, condemned after that after that ball game. Hey, coach, I'm from H Town, and trust me, that thing you can still smell the Astrodome from like a mile away. You can smell that thing, man. 
<laughs> oh, oh, just, oh, Justin Yarbrough, he finished two and three. So uh, I didn't read ah. his super chat right. He finished two and three. There you go. Oh, yeah. yeah. Coach, oh, Coach said it straight. We know. <laughs> I, I, I forget a lot of things. I don't forget that. You don't forget the Texas City game, do you? No. <laughs> um, all right, so let's get to some questions. Um, Mark Valdez, okay, I, I want to bring on this one real quick. Uh, start. I want a little recruiting question, a 713. Um, he was like, I was at the Texas Rice game. Um, well, I got to find this. Ran into Daniel Cruz. Rod, we talked hey. about Daniel Cruz yesterday. Ooh. Mountain of smiles and positivity. Awesome kid. I lost my phone tailgating pregame. Otherwise, I'd take a photo with him. Daniel Cruz, my last cut, my comment on Daniel, because I wanted to get this one in. Rod, you saw first two game tapes at center. He had never played center before in a game. And they have him pulling second game playing center. Uh, Your thoughts on Daniel Cruz. For those that didn't watch talking ball when Rod and I broke down the offensive line, you need to. The commitments and the team. I know he's going to project as a center, but coach, I mean, I got to get your thoughts. I watched this kid play uh, every position on the D line. I basically played D tackle, played every position on the O line. He played tackle, played guard. Now he got him playing center. He's just a lineman. You ever had a player yeah. like that? He's just, man, I can put him on the line, offense or defense, and he's going to eat. He sounds like a special kid. I haven't seen him. I know, uh, I know all the Cates boys. I coached with a couple of them, and, and yep. Jed. Uh, is his head football coach. So I know he's getting coached up well in high school, and uh, I hear great things about him. Yeah. So, guys, uh, first, uh, Quinn Ewers, obviously, deep ball, been a topic conversation. Um, let's get into Quinn a little bit and combine that with offensive line, right, because they do somewhat go hand in hand. I, I, I kind of of the opinion that this isn't a game you're going to work through progression three and four. Right, it's progression one two game. You got to get the ball out. I don't see Texas having a lot of time to sit in the pocket, scan the whole field, and go through progression. Where do y'all come out on that? Kind of what are y'all expecting? What do y'all want to see from Quinn Saturday night? I want to see Quinn confident. I want to see him in a rhythm. Um, and I saw that in the second half. And I think for him as a quarterback, just my observations, right? I'm not quarterback guru, and Coach Paul has a better idea than me. Um, but I think he's confident in the short, quick, intermediate game and those throws. And you can kind of you can tell that when he's making those throws, he's making them confidently. I think even if he can't step into him and his footwork isn't always right, he knows he's got the arm talent to get it there. Uh, the deep throws, I just don't think he throws it with confidence. Um, and I think now he's in his own head psychologically. Mm-hmm. He's thinking about it too. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think he's maybe overthinking it. We know the kid's got amazing arm talent. And it may just be possible, and I want to get coaches' thoughts about this, that you know, when you're doing the evaluation, you're looking at data points of a, a skill set of a player. Is it possible that that's just one of the weaknesses of his skill set? Everybody's got a weaknesses in their skill set. Nobody's an all-around perfect skill set. That Maybe that's just one of the you know, downsides to his skill set. But in terms of the short to intermediate game, I think that's where I'd start, Jerry. I, I, I don't want to get him in a rhythm, in a groove early. And like you said, yeah. it goes to what your thoughts are, too. The, you know, it's a one-two read kind of game. He's not going to have time to work through progressions or even time for those deep vertical throws. Hey, Coach, no. let's let's roll this into this question from Casey Lane. From a coaching standpoint, what do you do to get Quinn to connect the game as he has been in practicing, bridging those practice to the game, and getting your general thoughts on Quinn? I think, like Rod said, we got to get him into a rhythm. Rhythm early, uh, just like he was last year in the first half. We did that with – 
some quick throws outside, and we did that with some intermediate throws. We hit Xavier on a sideline pass. Jay Witt had a huge first half last year against these guys mm -hmm. from an intermediate standpoint. I, I think he caught, I don't know, four or five, six passes in the first half. So the intermediate throws is what we were very successful at last year. We did hit Xavier over the top one time against them down there. We got the ball inside the you know five-yard line. That's right when Quinn got hurt uh, on the on the play-action pass uh, just a play or two later. But uh, it wasn't the deep shot last year that we were effective with them against. It was the intermediate throws, the crossing routes, the out routes. Because, mm -hmm. hey, once once Xavier pushes you vertically, the corner's got to turn and go. Got to respect when he turns and goes, we're breaking it in, we're breaking it out, we're curling it up like we did last week, and we hit him. And then, because one one thing I've got written down that's a gigantic thing that I think we've got to do is we've got to win the yaks. And I'm not talking about yards after contact. I'm talking about yards after the catch. Yeah. Let's catch the intermediate ball. Let's get the yards after the catch, and 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 turn this thing into a a positive flow where Quinn can. Make those RPO throws. He can make those intermediate throws across the middle or out out near the sideline because he throws those well. And then from a deep standpoint, you know, I was thinking about this today. From a splashdown standpoint, when he throws the ball deep, I think he throws a better deep ball on the post type throws, over deep and over the middle. His sideline deep balls, the go routes to the outside, mm -hmm. is what he's struggling with. He's mm -hmm. not struggling with the post routes. He's not struggling with, you know, the 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 what I call a you know a crazy route where you break it to the corner and then back to the post. Yeah. Um, I think he throws a great ball over the top down the middle. Hmm. He's connected on a few. Xavier's dropped dropped a few last year. But uh, you know, let's let's see if we can get that thing over the top down the middle because I think that's his best throw. I, I agree with you. I've noticed a right side deep ball is definitely not his strength. If Correct. You, if you were to chart all his throws down mm -hmm. the field, Undoubtedly. right side down the field is definitely not a strength rod. Hey, right question here for both you guys. A good one from David Keith Williams. Because of the Alabama pass rush and strength of their defensive line, throwing to JT Sanders and Jordan Whittington, which you guys mentioned, in the middle of the field is even more important for Texas success. What I wanted to ask about that, one, you have to clear it out, but two – is the Alabama linebackers who you could attack in this game? Now, Alabama's got some secondary injury issues. We're going to see how mm -hmm. that plays out. My guess is they'll try to go, right? But yeah. you, can you attack the linebackers? How do you want to attack Alabama uh, in the passing game? Yeah, I think safeties and linebackers is where you want to go. And that goes to coaches, right, to coaches' game plan about, you know, attacking the short to intermediate throws to get Quinn in the rhythm. And, you know, it, it's interesting. You start looking at, uh, you know, JT Sanders and, you know, Jordan Whittington, they're perfect to work the RPO game, right? All your, your glances and those tags, that's, that's Jay Witt's category. They had one with JT Sanders that ended up scoring in the game versus Rice. It was a nice, simple adjustment. Uh, so I agree. I wonder this too. I, I, I want to know coach's thoughts about it. You know, just kind of from a reverse engineering standpoint, you know, pretending to be Bam and game plan for Texas, you know, in basketball, they always say if a, you know, if a player can't shoot, you let them shoot, right? Mm -hmm. They're bad at shooting. Why the hell am I going to defend you when you can't right. shoot? Go ahead. Shoot yourself right out of the game because you can't shoot anyway. Yeah. I'll defend the, the higher percentage uh, shots. Is it possible that Bama's going to defend the higher percentage shot, defend the short intermediate game, and say, you know what? Take your deep shots. Yeah, we'll, you know, we'll play some of that stuff flat-footed, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll jump some routes underneath 
but it because we know you can complete those. We'll defend those. Yeah. You want to take shots over, uh, over the top. You're one of the worst deep ball uh, teams in all of college football. Well, eighth worst in the Big 12 last season. You were 0 for versus Rice. Why am I why am I freaking out and allocating resources to, to defend something you're not good at? Right. I, I think my first answer is any coach, and, and, and Rod, you know, as a player, we still got to live to play another down. Yep. And and that was my big motto is live to play another down. The, the intermediate throw, you make the tackle, live to play another down. The RPO throw, you catch it. The defense should live to play another down. But on the deep throws over the top, if they don't respect it, guess what? They're going to see it. So you know Sark's going to throw it. Gonna, yeah. He's going to throw it. You know, it's not going to be – Five times in the first half like it was against Rice, but it's going to be two or three times like it was last year against Alabama. Two or three shots in the first half is all we need. If we connect on one of them, we get a P.I. on one of them. Uh, and and, and I, I think the P.I. is a factor in this. You know, mm-hmm. uh, last year there were some P.I.s that were not called against J.T. Sanders twice in the end zone that should have been called. We know against Rice some P.I.s weren't called. So – uh, when we take those shots, whether we catch them, whether we get the PI, or whether we just scare the mess out of them and back them off, so that we can come back, you know, to the intermediate throws. But uh, they're still got to defend it. They got to play somebody either in the deep middle or the deep halves, uh, however they however they choose to to play it or defend it. And then we got to take what they give us. If 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 they close the middle of the field, we got to throw it outside. If uh, they you know play two safety look, play cover two then we got to take our shot down the middle of the field with J.T. Sanders. Take what the defense is giving you. That's right. Yeah. Uh, there you go, Thunder Pup, enjoying Coach's perspective. Hey, man, this is a special one for us. Got Rod Babers and Coach here on the same live stream. Uh, all you guys, uh, thanks for being here with all the comments. We're not going to be able to get all the questions. Hopefully at some point a question we answer leans to one of the ones you were going to ask. Uh, real quick, want to take a second for Energy Texas again, guys. Energy Texas here to help Texans. Take their energy savings by the horns with our ultimate freedom flex plan for $4.95 a month. You can switch plans every 30 days without penalty. Enjoy Texas size rewards and excellent customer service you can hang your hat on. We serve Texans without the bull. Energy Texas is for Texans. Buy Texas. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, no overseas. Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and proud are still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. So thank you again to Energy Texas. Um, we've got a couple of uh, questions here. Super chat. I think Matt's going to bring up uh, a super chat for us here. Um, Monty Moore, 199. I'm not sure where the question was or that super chat. Okay, yeah. but Freelance Society, 499. Thank you, Monty. Freelance Society, thank you. After week one, Who's your top three in the Big 12? Does OU look improved? I'm going to say don't know enough about Oklahoma at this point. Um, it's almost like who's the three that disappointed you most in the Big 12? I don't even know if we can say who the top three is right now. Um, guys, I had Baylor going down a, a, a little bit, not to Texas State. Oh, I was about to say, wow. <laughs> Declining no, as a program. <laughs> just the, yeah, I said that wrong. Declining as a program a little bit after Matt Rule's guys got out of there. He recruited a certain type of speed, chip on their shoulder player. Um, so they're going through a transition there. Um, but I, I don't any Kansas State guys, Kansas scored 48 without Jalen Daniels. I mean, anybody, I, and I don't know how much anybody got a chance to watch at the Big 12, but who's impressed you so far? My top three would be. 
Texas, K-State, and Oklahoma. Yeah. Oklahoma looked good, man. And listen, Venables has basically got 97 of the 123 players on that roster are first or second year guys now. So he's pretty much turned it all over. Uh, they they played 87 different players uh, in that game versus Arkansas State. They, they made Butch Jones cry on the sidelines. He was crying a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was emotional about that game. Um, and he said that was the most – he had, he had never experienced as a coach a, a game where the film that he had watched from last season, it was so off in yeah. terms of the translation to the speed of the actual game he played. He said the film was not it, – it, it did not do justice to how fast that Oklahoma uh, defense was. They only missed three tackles, and this is a defense that averaged, I think, 13 over 13 missed tackles last year. It's a different squad. It, it, uh, they look pretty good to me. Yeah, I would agree exactly with what Rod said. Uh, the coach in me says, hey, I'm not worried about those cats. Uh, let's take care of us. Let's focus on us. Let's get better. Um, we'll worry about them when, when it's time to play them. Um, but uh, definitely Oklahoma, K-State. Uh, Baylor was, was a disappointment. Uh, they have dropped off. Their offensive line struggled, struggled big time. And uh, they struggled against Texas State. When those Utah Utes come to town, my goodness. Uh, so, you know, TCU obviously had a disappointment. So, um, it's BYU didn't look sharp. You know, they didn't look like a typical BYU team to me. So, I think those would be the three maybe that um, are surprisingly maybe a little bit down. But, hey, first game of the season, uh, these guys are going to coach their guys. They're going to They're going to respond everybody's going to start getting better. And that's what the name of the game is right now. Just get better one week at a time and keep improving. Yeah. Baylor's start to the schedule though is brutal because they got Utah, like coach said, um, uh, then they got LIU, but then at Texas with a banged up quarterback, I don't know if yep. Blake Tate is going to even be available. And and then at UCF and UCF, Jerry's supposed uh, to be sneaky. Good this I, UCF's got a quarterback that fits a scheme. Perfectly. Yeah. Played a lot of football, That's and they've got a bunch of transfer athletes on mm-hmm. defensive line and linebacker. Uh, UCF's going to knock some people off this year. Yeah. Um, Thunder Pump has a uh, um, super chat question. Thank you, Thunder Pump. Interesting availability interview from Quinn. When asked about his inconsistent deep ball, he had lots of te- hesitation. Was it mostly wide receiver or Quinn Ewers' issue? I also think it's sometimes offensive line. Look, I mean. Guys, y'all, y'all, I'm zero and zero. Okay, coaches won a lot of games. Rod's played a lot of games. If I have a pocket passing quarterback, I'm bl- I'm, I'm bringing pressure up the middle. It's harder to step into deep balls. No different than Texas did against a, a pocket passing quarterback, JT Daniels. Their only success was out of empty underneath Rod. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, we kind of see the same things with these pocket passing quarterbacks. If you can get pressure up the middle, it's much tougher to time a deep ball. What say you? coach um i i i with you i think it's pretty i'm not gonna say obvious but there is now a blueprint starting to be developed about how to pressure texas right and um Mm -hmm. it started last year with like nick saban and bama doing a decent job of it and dave aranda did a good job and essentially and every coach adds and coach coach knows this that's football every coach is gonna add a little bit like this little successful uh, a concept that worked, and then the next coach is like, All right, you know what? I, I'm gonna add on to that. I got a little something for it. So now, basically, the blueprint is if you can simulate pressures work really well, you don't mm-hmm. want to blitz because Quinn actually Quinn is pretty good versus the blitz. The numbers say Quinn Ewers 
versus the blitz is pretty good. And that makes sense to me because it speeds everything up and it clarifies everything. It for cleans him. it up. Yeah, there you go. Coach, though, it cleans it up for him. Yeah. But when they make the picture muddy, which is what simulated pressures are, and amoeba fronts, those fronts where they line up all the guys across the line of scrimmage, and then they use twists and stunts like you were talking about, Jerry. And now Rice was bringing guys from the second level, second level pressures, and also using twists and stunts. It, it they they now kind of added up to a blueprint that this is what you follow to try to pressure Texas. So they ha- they have to solve that problem, and that's what they're working on right now. I, I you know I think they have no choice but to figure it out. That's football. Yeah, <laughs> no no doubt. Uh, I think the inconsistent deep ball. It's hard to hard to pinpoint at this point. You know after after game one, uh, it's a little bit of everybody. It's it's a team game, and 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 Quinn may miss on a ball. Uh, receiver may may run the wrong route or not get a great release or not track the ball well or, or the protection may break down and it's and it's really all three of those um, and so you know it's a team game and uh, Quinn's gonna be fine Quinn can throw the deep ball no doubt in my mind Quinn can throw the deep ball X man can go get it we we've just gotta we've just gotta get the good mojo going and and, and get some confidence built up and uh, it, it's gonna happen. Hey, Coach, let me ask you this, though, because I, I wouldn't found a stat that Sark, even in the game versus Rice, of the six deep balls they threw, four of them were on first down. And last season, around 48%, close to 48% of Sark's deep balls came on first down. And last game, I believe the average yards to gain on third down was like 8.9. Yeah. I think some of that was due to, you know, missing on first down on those deep balls. Is it a concern? that so many of the deep balls are always on first down. And when you do miss, it puts you behind the chains. Yeah, yeah. I, I always like, you know, second two, you know, yes. second, <laughs> second two and a half, because I know I got a chance now to go, you know, third two, third and two and a half if it's incomplete, pick up a yard or two, yard and a half, and then I've got a decision to make. It's fourth and eight inches, and, and I can go for it on fourth down if I, if I need to. So, yeah, I think down in distance, I was always that second one to two to take the shots. I was more conservative from as a play caller. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't like taking those shots on first down, but you know what? Sarge's comfortable doing it. He feels like his team's gonna have the ability to to come back on second and long and 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 get a first down or on third and medium to long get a first down. So we know we saw it last week. We know we saw more last week than what we're gonna see this week. You're not gonna go into Alabama whether you're playing in Tuscaloosa, you're playing in Austin, and throw the ball five or six times on first down deep. We've got to possess the ball. We have to possess. Now, yes, do we need explosives? Yes. But last year, I think we only hit Xavier one time in the first half deep. We connected one time deep. Now, it was a big one. It was a big one. But uh, the rest of the time, we we, we controlled the ball. We possessed the ball. And, and uh, yes, we want the explosives. But we don't need them to beat Alabama. This is not this is not a miracle on ice situation. Right. Okay. <laughs> this ain't if we beat Alabama, it, it's not a miracle now. Right. It's not gonna be a miracle. Oh, oh, are you gonna be shocked? Am I gonna be shocked? No, I'm not. I I mean, we're we're yeah, we're seven point dogs. Does does the does the country think you know we're, we're gonna lose? Is Alabama gonna be favored? Is it gonna be tough to go into Tuscaloosa? Yes. But this is not miracle on ice. We we can go beat them playing Texas football. Run the ball, play action pass, intermediate passing game, RPOs, and let's let's 
let's hit that deep shot one or two times. Mm-hmm. Let's connect one or two times. I like it. No doubt about it. No doubt. I think we got another super chat here. Uh, thank you for this one. P three A P T T M H. I don't even know how to pronounce it. So I'm not even going to try. Um, Texas didn't attack Rice's D. They will attack Bama's D. That includes RPO actions, which will slow down the pass rush as they have to play it on us. Also, circle hunt matchups. That didn't happen Saturday. Horns by 13. Ooh. Oh, and then there's another super chat, and I want to tie this in. How does Texas run the ball effectively Saturday? Um, we know Cedric Baxter has, went, has returned to practice field Monday. We'll see how healthy he is. Uh, what you miss if Cedric Baxter's not there, he has the best backside vision of any Texas running back. I think he was really about to display that. But those two questions, guys, how do you run the ball effectively? How do you attack Bama if you're Sark? And now we've kind of gone into that a little bit, but uh, those two questions. Uh, Rod, or Coach, go first. I think I think uh, it's a four-quarter football game. Yeah, You're not going to run it in the first quarter. No. You're probably not going to run it well in the second quarter. You might – you might break the rock a little bit in the third quarter, but we, we've got to put ourselves in position through all three phases of the game to be able to continue to attempt to run the ball in the fourth quarter. And the dam is going to break. If if we can stay in it with all three phases of the football game, keep the game close or you know, slightly be ahead, slightly behind, whatever it is, and keep committing to the running game, the dam will break. Um you see it over and over and over in SEC football. We saw it over and over and over this last weekend. Um, you know, Florida State, staying with it, staying yes. with it, staying Those with it. That's early. Great call, Coach. Mm-hmm. Great call. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's that. a great call. They Florida State stuck with it. I mean, that's a great call. Yeah. Uh, um, the way I – and I, I, I agree with you. I think you have to have some balance. You can't be one-dimensional going into balance. But I will say I would like – for Sark to basically use some of the really short passing game as an extension of the running game. I, I think it could work for you and it would get your quarterback in the groove. Um, it was, you know, it was stretch Bama out a little bit, stressed them out a little bit. Um, and I think that would also help you. I know it's not obviously the, the run game, the traditional run game, um, but I do think that would be a way to, to supplement basically the run game. Those are long handoffs as coach. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely, that's your that's your perimeter running game. Yep. You know the, the the hitches, the bubbles. Yeah, those things. That's your perimeter run game. Get those big hundred and thirty five pound, hundred three hundred fifty pound defensive linemen running sideline to sideline mm-hmm. on hitches and bubbles and things like that. Yep. How, when you run the ball, how would you attack in the run game? Is uh, there? Uh, you hear some people say run it wide. I'm not sure I run it wide against Bama. Steve. I think I. I, I think I'm more running in between the tackles and use that quick game passing game horizontally as your run game outside the tackles. Is that kind of the way you guys see it? Yeah, with heavy RPO, with heavy doses of RPO, uh, yeah. which is basically a combination of the quick game and the run game too. And we know Bama, they'll be ready for it because they know Sark loves to run their RPOs. But I, I think that's one thing we saw versus Rice too. I think just based on eye tests, I saw a lot more RPOs. I think Sark now is comfortable with his quarterback when he first came in. You know, coming from Bama, Sark was one of the national leaders, like top five in RPO rates. That dropped at Texas, I think, because he was coming in, you know, implementing a new system. He didn't really trust his quarterbacks with the, you know, the technique, mechanics. He's getting back to basics and fundamentals. I think now that he's got a quarterback that he trusts, familiar with the system, I think you're going to see a lot more RPOs. And I think that's where Quinn shines. I think he yeah. shines there. 
I think from a schematic standpoint, uh, this is probably more just an educated guess. Uh, don't know. But inside zones also going to be tough sledding yeah. against these guys. Uh, as you, just as you say, um, Jerry, that, that the outside zone the stretches and things like that are going to be tough. I also think inside zone uh, is tough. I think our gap schemes are, are, are what I call double zones, our gap schemes, your counters, your powers, things like that, with your, your pull kicking with your guard, your pull ceiling with JT. But gap schemes where you're, where you're able to double team at the point of attack on the down line and chip off, work to the backside linebacker, gap schemes will probably give us the best opportunity to, to uh, create some space in there. Good stuff, Coach. Absolutely great stuff. Uh, this is a great one. Nigel Robertson asked this earlier. What defense do we run to contain Jalen Milrow? Mm. First thought is it's got to be multiple, right? Yeah. Uh, so I want to ask you guys, one about Milrow to start. Two, how much – Texas showed some bare front against Rice. What would you guys do? I mean, you got to mix it up. you got to be multiple. But is there something you guys see defensively, defensive front-wise, that you all like heading into the Bama game versus gonna, Alabama? I'm going to let Coach start off first on this one, talking scheme. I think I think a couple thoughts. If we're in a four-man front, we, we we've got to collapse the pocket. We've got to compress the space. We we can't just get upfield in all of our rush lanes with our ears pinned back and and create larger gaps for for Milrow to scramble. We've got to be a little bit more disciplined as we push the pocket with our interior guys. But that fits our interior guys, and they can really compress that thing from the edges from the outside in. Um, I think also some some twists and things by our D linemen where our ends do come underneath tackles out wide. We can we can change some things up there, give him a little bit different look. If it is a quarterback draw, nothing better than an ET stunt with the ends first tackles around, so the ends crashing down inside, and and we get a chance to get an easy uh, tackle on the quarterback on a, on a you know quarterback um, keeper there. The other thing I really like is out of a three down front where we rush three, we're dropping seven, mm-hmm. but we keep that, that fourth guy, he's he's dropped, he's a linebacker, Jalen Ford type. We're yes. rushing three. He's sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, and then all of a sudden, as things develop, whether Milrow steps up or Milrow escapes out over the top, yeah. let him scrape and fit as that fourth at. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is one of the most effective ways to attack a mobile quarterback. And we saw that already. Texas has that. Yeah, I've yeah. seen that actually a couple of times. Well, and PK did a good job against Jalen Hurts in the 2016 playoff, right, at Washington. They did a pretty mm-hmm. good job against Bama in that game. Uh, uh, Rod, you know, kind of your thoughts on that with Milrow, um, your thoughts Texas defending Milrow in Alabama. Yeah, I just think um, uh, all the things Coach said in addition, you just have to have someone assigned to him. I think, you know, damn near on every play, whether it be he'll be involved in the actual run game, um, the quarterback design runs, and as a scrambler when they pass. And I think they'll actually even encourage him to scramble at times. Because like you said, I don't – with Texas D-line, I don't know if he's going to be able to get through a, pro, a full progression <laughs> of a read. I think he may mm-hmm. be encouraged to say, hey, man, you got one, you got two. If not, go. And they'll have built-in spy beaters. Um, so I think they should – change it up about who's going to end up being the spy because I think they'll have some some spy beaters almost built in there. And Jalen Murrow is a great athlete that if it's the same guy throughout the entire game, you know, he, he'll he'll win his fair share. 
And I think you yeah, switch right. it up on him, you'll kind of you'll keep him guessing a little bit. I think that's important. And I think you're bound to see it, guys. I think you're bound to see Alabama like they did last year. So they had Bryce Young there, bound to see them stress Texas with empty formation at one point. And like Jalen Hurts and the Eagles do, and they did in the Super Bowl, just use the quarterback run game out of empty, which yeah, is yeah. I don't know if there's anything coach that can stress a defense more than that, forcing everybody to line up man to man and then Mano Mano in the open field, you got to tackle a great, great athlete like that. So they're going to force Texas to do that a few times, I believe. Yeah, definitely. Uh, guys, I uh, want to mention this too. Um, we have a promo going right now on Texas football inside Texas. If there it is, promo code. If, if you're on this live stream, $1 for two months at inside Texas, the promo code is OTFIT. 23. So if you're on this live stream, give Inside Texas uh, an opportunity, 10 plus uh, articles every day this week, getting you ready for Bama, Texas on recruiting. We even had through in basketball recruiting today. So we got all your Texas Longhorn needs covered there. Again, Inside Texas promo code OTFIT23, $1 for two months, much select monthly offer. So thank you to all you guys that are uh, on On Texas Football and head on over to Inside Texas. Colton has a question here. What's more difficult, teaching a natural run blocker to pass block or a natural pass blocker to run block? That, to me, is a great question, that guys. That is a great question. I, it's hard to teach physicality for me in the game, especially nowadays. But, again, I'm zero and zero. So, Coach, guys right. you dealt with, which was the tougher one? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. That's a, that's a tough question. It, it really is. Um, my first thought was, was a, a natural run blocker to pass block. That's it's tough. It's tough because a natural run blocker is really, really, really aggressive. They like to stick their nose in there. They like, they love the contact. Um, they, they want to get close to their work. Okay. And, and as a pass blocker, you, you want to do just the opposite. You want to keep your nose out of there. You want separation. You want to be a little bit more, I would say passive, but reactive yeah. and keep space and, and keep your nose out of there. You don't want to, you don't want to get over, you know, forward and stick your face mask in there. You want your hands, you want the separation. But at the same time, I agree with, with, with you, Jerry, that uh, you take a pass blocker that's not physical and he, he hasn't been trained to be physical. Then it's hard to teach that guy to get behind his pads and and come off and and uh, you know really 
compress that that area and get tight with that defensive lineman and stick his nose in there. We I had that problem when I went to Flower Mound Marcus um, in two thousand and seven. Um, the you know the school opened in whatever it was early mid nineties. I was the first coach ever to ask an offensive lineman to put a hand on the ground. They were in two point stances, spread offense from day one. Wow. And and so you know when we asked guys to put their hand on the ground in three point stance, they looked at us like we were crazy. You know? <laughs> and and it was difficult, but it's a mentality. The, the the guys actually did a great job. They picked it up. You're just changing the mentality. But then the more aggressive we got with our run stuff the tougher it was for us to teach pass pro even in play action. So it's, it's difficult. It's difficult because it's two different, it's two different methods. Same thing with a defensive lineman. His job is just the opposite in the run game. He wants to create separation in the run game. Yeah. You know, get his arms locked out, create separation, get his eyes, get his butt in his gap. And, and when he's rushing the passer, he wants to get close to his work. You got to get close to your work. You got you got to close that space and and make that offensive lineman feel claustrophobic. I don't think uh, no. uh, Lim Boston's alone right now. I think everybody no. uh, everybody's <laughs> looking to fly around a little bit right hey. now. Me and Rod would leave the screen hey. right now if we started flying around. Why? I'm, ta- you, I'm, I'm taking notes over here. Hey, I'm taking notes, Coach. I've been taking notes ever since you've been talking. I'm like, go ahead, Coach. I got notes right here. No pad. <laughs> Just like I would be in the coaches in the meeting, Coach. Uh, I, think, I think we got one super chat left, Matthew. Uh, okay, there we there we go. Bobby Miles, uh, five, thank you for that super chat. Do you think we'll see more of Anthony Hill? We were conservative with his usage, not trying to so, show much before Bama. Um, Rod, I mean, we'll get your thoughts on that first. Freshman. Game two, college football, your second game's on the road at Bama. They're 67-2, and two, hadn't lost at home in a long time. Three of the last four to beat them on the Heisman. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's what you're up against. Yeah. Um, Anthony Hill's second game, but mentally he's proven that a coach is he's ready to roll. So what do you, do you think we see more of Anthony Hill in this game? Uh, I do, and this is one of those games, you know, I know they played a lot of guys at, in, in the Rice game, but against Alabama you're only going to play players you trust who yes. earned that trust, right? Uh, so we'll find out who's earned that trust from Sark. And I definitely think, you know, he's one of those guys that's already earned the trust. Sark said he was one of the two best pass rushers on the team yeah. already. He said Byron Murphy and Anthony Hill. And that is, that is a big compliment coming from the head coach. So I think situationally, you're definitely going to see him. You get Bama, hopefully we see him a lot. That means you got Bama in predictable passing situations, third and long, where you can put Anthony Hill on the field and have him tee off back. Honestly, since we're talking about diversifying, who's going to be deployed as the, the spy? Hey, man, he's athletic enough to do it yeah. down to two. He's one of them guys potentially. Yeah, I, I agree that this guy can just flat out play. When I saw him in the spring game, this guy can play. He 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 plays fast. He's physical. He can play inside. He can come off the edge. I like him. I'm telling you what. When that sucker kicks off, nobody's asking him whether he's a freshman or a senior. Nobody's asking. Him. He's going. He's going to play, and he's not going to. He's not going to say and think of himself as a freshman. He's going to get out there. He's going to play football just like he's been doing for many, many years. He's not going to worry about that stuff. He's going to go play ball with his skill set, his speed, his physicality. There's no reason why he can't be a big impact player for us. I think an interesting question about Anthony Hill, uh, uh, Coach and Rod, is this: He is best being downhill, going to play play the football. Right? That is his strength as a young player. You saw in the Florida State LSU game, the LSU used Harold Perkins as a spy. 
And I thought they took away his strength as a player. They You're talking did. about the best pass rusher they had. Yeah. So yeah. that's an interesting, the chess match and the decisions Texas has to make with a young guy like that, who they know is their second best pass rusher. Do you take that ability away from him? Jerry, that's a, that's a, that's a brilliant point because yeah. I think I, I was so, I was curious about that too. I went and looked at at least pro football focus stats. They said that Harold Perkins was only rushing a passer for seven snaps seven what a waste of a game for harold perkins right they said he was in coverage for 28 snaps i'm like that is uh that's a miscalculation right there so i agree with you yeah that's a good point about anything so maybe if he's a spy it's done something that's kind of uncharacteristic like you do it as a change up exactly with you. Yeah. as uh will muschamp once said hey man you don't thoroughbreds don't go backwards he's a thoroughbred <laughs> <laughs> that's a great line and true they don't backpedal, do they? No. <laughs> That's what said. Love that quote. Uh, hey, awesome. We have a good question here from Jay Ward, a 749 there, Matt, if you can bring that up. Um, talking about the Alabama offensive line, because I do think this is a good – I don't think the Alabama O-line is as good as past years from film. They gave up some sacks on Milrow in the first quarter on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Jay Ward, we're going to get to these coaches uh, Coach and Rod's answer in a second. I agree with you. Look, here's what I would say on Alabama – for about a four or five year stretch, they could overwhelm you offensively. They had four first rounders at wide out. They had multiple NFL draft picks. They had eight, nine offensive linemen that were going to be first through fourth round picks. And they had a quarterback who was going to win the Heisman or go in the top five or first round. They can't overwhelm you. It's a different team. They're starting a true freshman at left tackle. Tyler Booker's a going to be a tremendous guard, still a second year player. Obviously, JC Latham has experience, but. They, they can't overwhelm you anymore. And I think it goes to Coach's point that it's a different game you're planning to play against Alabama right now. Nick's going to play to his strengths. And this is not a game where you feel like you have to go to Tuscaloosa and try to score 46 to beat them like Joe Burrow did in 19. You can win more of a condensed game. Uh, what, Rod, I know you watch Bama. What do you see on their offensive line and Coach as well? They're just massive. They're huge. Um, like you said. And, and by the way, uh, Middle Tennessee State did get to them. Middle Tennessee State blitzes a lot, though. They got some really sophisticated pressure packages, and they're not afraid to just, you know, kind of just send the house. And they will. They they figure, you know what, we're going to either force a negative play uh, or we're going to end up, you know, dying a death of a thousand cuts. And they figure, let's gamble and let's force negative plays. Uh, and they did early on. They forced some of those negative plays. So I don't know if Texas is going to be that aggressive. They could be, though. Texas could decide to be really aggressive uh, on, on some down situationally. But they're massive, man. You, you brought up the freshman. Is it Caden Proctor? Yes. He's, he's huge. He's 365. Three, that's crazy. He's 6'7", yeah. 360. Uh, Tyler uh, Booker is 6'5", 350. They actually may have the biggest O-line in college football, potentially. I think they do. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 close to like three thirty nine on average. So that's one thing you notice that just stands out. They are massive. That doesn't always mean that you're a great offensive line because you got mass. But there's no doubt they will they will try to use that to their advantage. They're gonna try to pound the rock. You're right. This is a different Bama team. They got some speed on the outside, but I think they're gonna try to. They're gonna try. To they don't have Jalen Waddle, where if you throw it to him, you're scared to death. No. He's going eighty five. They, they don't, don't have that on this four first no. round picks. Even in uh, the backfield, they, they don't have picks. that. Right. Yeah. They have draft picks, but not the guys there. you're like, oh, my God, I don't even know how to defense this team type of thing. Um, you know, Coach, me, any thoughts for, uh, on the BAM offensive line? Yeah, and, and, and more so, I mean, we all know they're big. They're giant. It's Alabama. 
we know what we're up against. But let me say this about offensive line play, including ours, including Alabama's, everybody. No one's offensive line is great right now. No one's. It's too early in the season. Yeah. Offensive line, they're trying to get five, six, seven guys. When you had a tight end there and you had a fullback sometimes in there, I know some people don't know what a fullback is these days, but <laughs> when you had when you a tight end and full, but when you're combining five guys, trying to get them on the same page with a tight end, with some backs, it takes time. It takes time, what we always call to set your pads, to learn how to run block, how to fit together, combo block, because you can work combo blocks all you want in practice. It's at, you know, 90%, 95% if it's a great day. You're not going good on good. You're not live scrimmaging much. It just takes time for offensive linemen to gel, what we call set their pads, and become a unit. Uh, it, it, it's hard for an individual offensive lineman to be great in the beginning just to set his pads, and then, then you got to get five of them on, on the same page and become a unit. It just takes some time. My best football teams – it was three, four, five weeks before we really became really good. And, uh, you know, always we always had that discussion. My offensive line coach, we always talked about it. It just takes a few weeks to set your pads and become a unit. So uh, we're going to see a better Alabama offensive line this week than we saw last week. But I'm going to tell you this, we're going to see a better Texas line this week than we saw last week. No, hey, no Kel, doubt about it. Can, can I ask Coach a question about that? Yes, because please. Uh, I heard um, Kelvin Banks, he was talking about the game and what went wrong, and he just talked about communication. He was like, man, we got to improve the communication. We had bad communication in the game. We're working on communication. How are we going to fix it? Better communication. Uh, offensive linemen ha- don't, obviously, during the, during the actual play, it, they're not communicating vocally. We're talking about a hive mind, right, where – everybody's seeing the same thing, making the same adjustments, that kind of thing, right, Coach? Is that what we're talking yeah. about? Yes. Online? That's why you're talking about it takes a while for everybody to be on that same page. On that same page, playing as a unit, shrapnel's flying, bombs are going off. <laughs> practice, practice is control for the most part, you know? Practice is control. You only get one opportunity a week to really go get it and, and play when, when the shrapnel's flying. And, and those guys learn from each and every play, each and every experience. I know DJ Campbell got beat up a little bit by, by, by some of us. But you know what? It was his first game. And, and he hopefully gets an opportunity to play again this week, a few snaps, even if he doesn't start. He'll be a better player this week because he's been through that live action. And, uh, hey, we're going to get better. It just, it just takes some time. But uh, we can't, we're not going to play last week's Alabama offensive line. We're going to play week two Alabama offensive line, but they're going to play week two Texas offensive line. So uh, offensive line, you've got to be patient. It just takes some time. The good news is we got big human beings. That's right. They got big human beings. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it is. Uh, by the way, we have some good multitaskers on our comment section. I guess Jose Altuve just went yard. I'm going to take a second. Uh, to, uh, uh, re- again, thank our sponsor, Energy Texas. And we're going to get to the rest of your questions, you guys' questions after that. Energy Texas, here to help Texans take their energy savings by the horns with our Flex pre- uh, Freedom Flex plan. For $4.95 a month, you can switch plans every 30 days without penalty. Enjoy Texas size rewards and Texalit customer service you can hang your hat on. We serve Texans 
without the bull. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texas. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the great state of Texas, not back east, no overseas Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. Thank you very much to Energy Texas for being the sponsor of the Tuesday Longhorn live stream. Uh, guys, with Cody Clark, I'm going to get uh, producer Matt. He had a, here we go. We haven't talked special teams at all. And special teams is going to be huge. Um, can we talk about special teams? It can and will be a factor. I have a feeling sorry. I'm going to be like Rod now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's right up Coach's alley. Here Hello. We <laughs> One of his three or four weekly speeches to his teams every week. Um, Sark and Banks will be scheming some punt, kick blocks, and Joe D. Camillus. Texas play punt safe against Rice. We're not going to see punt safe in Tuscaloosa, right, Coach? <laughs> I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think uh, it's uh, we're going to see a little bit of everything. We're going to go after some punts. We're going to we're going to call the return a time or two. Uh, but um, you know, the name of the game is special teams. Is, is snap it, protect it, hold it, punt it, kick it, and, and just be sound and be solid. We we don't need the big punt return. We don't need the big kickoff return. To, to win the game. We just got to be solid in the kicking game. Obviously, we don't we don't want them getting the big returns either. Um, just just be solid. Let's snap it. Let's protect it. Let's kick it. Let's cover it. Mm, I have so much respect for Jeff Banks as a coach. I mean, special teams has been the most consistent phase of the game for Texas since Sark got yeah. And, yeah. and it's been it's been one of the better phases in the country, actually, in the Big 12. It's phenomenal. I got a feeling I'm with the special teams gonna make a big play. Not sure if it's a return or a block. And yeah, Jeff Banks is working on some. He's in the lab. He's working on some. Yeah. That's gonna be a little, he's gonna have a player on there we don't expect to see, or he's gonna have a little, you know, a, a little trick somewhere. I just I, I think he's got some dialed up for Alabama and his old coach Nick Saban, too. I just think he does. <laughs> Hey, by the way, we're, we're, we had a couple more super chats and questions, but I want to get y'all – did y'all watch Clemson-Duke last night? Yes. Yeah. How okay. – what were y'all's thoughts on that? Because we've had some questions, comments on that. Look, Clemson is a little bit slow to climb to me right now. Yeah. Um, they just weren't – they didn't just flat out out-athlete Duke last night, which is the most surprising part of that game other than the turnovers. Yeah, they don't have the uh, that elite, high-powered skill talent on the outside a wide receiver you, you're accustomed to seeing, right? And I would say the DBs, too. Usually they have those, the skill talent on both offense and defense. I would say that wasn't as, as eye-popping as it usually is when we've seen the Clemson run. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I agree. I, I think even if, even if Clemson punches both those touchdowns in and doesn't turn it over, I still think Duke wins that game. Duke, yeah. Duke, Duke had a Duke to me had the better football team. Yeah, and and by the way, more experienced quarterback. That quarterback is a stud. He's a stud. I mean, he didn't have a lot of speed around him to go to get the ball to. Uh, that guy is a great athlete at the quarterback yeah. position. He is. He. I bet he ends up being a first round pick. I know uh, Tyler Ruiz. I think turnovers will be big. We need takeaways. I think we all agree with that. Um, yes. And I think the big thing there is. Um, Sark talks about populating the football, right? To me, I'm interested in you guys' thoughts, but when he says populate the football, obviously it's running to the football, but the more hands and helmets you have around the ball, the better chance you have to get a takeaway. Texas yeah. Sark talked about emphasizing that at the beginning of fall practice. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, we we put the ball last year. You know, we caused the, the opponent to put the ball on the ground like nine times or so. We only got four of them. And so the more you populate the ball, yeah, some of it's unlucky bounce of the ball, but when you populate the ball, you got a better chance of recovering it when it does go on the ground. One of my top keys to, to the game, and, and I've mentioned a couple of them, you know, possessing the ball, uh, the yards after the catch, but this one's a big one is, is the turnovers, as it always is. And my, and my thought is, okay, we're plus three right now in turnovers. We're plus yep. three. Yep. If we walk out of Tuscaloosa plus four, well, just one. We need yep. to be plus one. Yeah. For the year, we're plus one on Saturday. We got a chance. I agree. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you. It's and that's something they've emphasized all off season long. Takeaways. They want to be more opportunistic. Last season, I mean, they were ninth in the Big Twelve, and that's a that's one of those areas that this defense wants to go from good to great, which we know they can do. They seem to have that potential. This is the starting point. Like Coach says, you get better every day. If they want to go from good to great, that's one of the categories. Mm-hmm. They got to get more takeaways. They had three of them last game. Yeah, I'm with you, Coach. If you can get some take – and Milrow, not obviously this year, he's had some some growth, it seems. But last season, you know, there was some uh, some plays where he, he did make some bad decisions with the football. You want to force that. And maybe the blitz is the way to do it too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, last year that was the case. I don't know if it's the case this year, but last year when he was blitzed, usually he would be prone to make some bad decisions. Uh, we had some people ask in the comment section, did Catalan play Saturday? He did play. Yeah. He didn't play a lot of snaps, but he did play. I think you're going to see uh, the real Jalen Cattle on this week in the game plan. Uh, Justin Yarborough, Texas City guy, is back. Uh, thank goodness you're not Vernon Crawford, man. That guy almost knocked me out fighting over the top of a ball screen <laughs> in high school, and I think he laughed at me on the way down. Uh, will the two-back set be as effective as empty at 11 personnel? How many rushing yards will it take to win? Um. Oh, oh I'll tell you this, though. I was shocked to hear, to see this. Okay, so I'll give you a little nugget. The two biggest plays for Texas in that game versus Rice, the 37-yard touchdown, I believe it was, to Jonathan Brooks, and uh, was it a 44, 40-something-yard touchdown to JT Sanders? Both out of 21 personnel. And I was like, oh, man, I was shocked to see. Sorry. There you go, Coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? I was shocked to see. Now, last year, they loved 21 personnel. Probably should have ran it more. But when you got Bijan and Rojo on your team, it makes a lot of sense. You want those guys out there together as much as possible. Um, I thought this year that he may he may take you know take that down. He may drop some of the usage down of two, two back sets and 21 personnel. So I was a little surprised. I think there was six plays. I haven't looked, checked my notes, but I believe there were six plays top of my head where they ran 21 personnel. And those are your two biggest plays in the game. And I and going back to last season, the most explosive personnel package, looking at plays of 15 yards, uh, 15 plus yards in the pass game, 10 plus yards in the run game. It was 21 personnel. That was your mm-hmm. most, which made sense because Bijan and Rojo on the field this year. I could see it, man, still being part of the rep, the the personnel repertoire of one uh, Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, I like it, and and I'm sure Bobby's watching somewhere. And if he <laughs> if he is, he knows. I talk last year. I, I preached 21 personnel. They preached it, preached it, preached it. 21 <laughs> with with what we what we had last year and and, and how we could do it was uh, it was so effective. It was so effective, and it's. And it's going to be an effective set. I think maybe part of the answer to that maybe is set Baxter available. And and so if if we've only got two, you know, Jaden Blue and Jonathan Brooks, we're a little limited there on how many backs we have if, if said's not available. So um, I think some of it's going to depend on that. Yep. They like Keelan Robinson in that set too. So 
That's true. They'll throw him that's, out there. But that's I, true. I, I'm with I'm with coach. I, I think you got your full compliment. You can use some of those two back sets because you'll have the variety to do so. Yeah. Uh Eric 76 super chat. Feels like this year is setting up to have some defensive players to be considered for the Heisman, like Travis Hunter. What would wow. Ford have to be to, to do to be considered a candidate? I think he's that dude. Well, I, I'll take it wow. the first stab at this one. 15 tackles and an interception Saturday night and a win. I mean, that, it, yeah. it, it takes an effort like that. Uh, Travis Hunter has a distinct advantage. He's going to play 118 snaps or until he cramps up every week and he's going to play on offense, he's going to get a chance to score touchdowns every week. That's a little different game. That's a Charles Woodson type of game, right? Yep. Um, for a linebacker, I mean, look, Derek Johnson's going into the Hall of Fame. Yes. Okay, and he created nine turnovers a senior year. Is that what the number was? Or Something ten? Freaky like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you got to have that type of year. And yeah. you got to do it on a team that gets in the college football playoff to have any shot as a linebacker, guys. Amen. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think uh, the odds of it happening are, are slim. Does <laughs> Is he that type of player? Yeah. But as an inside linebacker, to win the Heisman would be a, would be a stretch. But uh, he's, he's, he's our guy. I mean, that guy can play. He's the captain of that defense. Had a tremendous year last year. Uh, I can remember after the first game last year, I'm talking to Bobby doing the, the lunch with the coach. I'm like, uh, you know, our inside linebacker, Bobby, he, he had zero tackles. <laughs> he had zero. How, how's the middle linebacker? How's the middle linebacker in an in a even defense have zero tackles? And uh, I think, I think Jalen listened to that lunch with the coach because then, <laughs> He went off after that the rest of the year. So I'm a I'm a huge Jalen Ford fan. Uh, he's a tremendous player. Led the team last year in interceptions, and right now he's tied for the, for the lead in interceptions. Um, he actually led the Big Twelve last season in havoc plays. Uh, these are just splash plays by defense, interceptions, forced fumbles, PBU sacks, that kind of stuff. Uh, he was the, the the basically the most havoc minded, havoc reeking player in all of the Big Twelve. Probably should have won defensive player of the year, but I think he might be the best coverage linebacker in all of college football. And coach, you'll love this. His his locker mate is Malik Murphy. And apparently, him and Malik, they after practice, they sit and they just talk ball, the chess match within the game wow. about adjustments and why did you put that guy in motion and why did you audible to this play? What are your keys on this play? What are you looking for? Why did that lineman pull? What's he doing? And they just have this. You know, these think tank yeah. sessions after practice. Oh, man, I, as a coach, I know you got to look. I think that's why his cerebral acumen yeah. is just so damn high. It's, this yeah. guy's thinking next level. Yeah, that's next level stuff right there. Yep. Hey, I, I, I want to take a second. We got another super chat. We're going to take a, five more minutes of questions for, uh, tonight. I want to mention, though, before we get to the super chat, where you can find Coach, where you can find Rod, on Texas football, lunch with the coach every Monday with Bobby Burton. That's up. On on Texas football, we're gonna have Coach on more and more here as the season goes along. Rod, hear him on the radio in Austin in the morning. Obviously, on Texas football numbers shows uh, three evening live streams with us. We do talking ball. We do the quarterback room, which will come out on Friday. Rod, myself, sometimes we'll have a guest talking about the Texas quarterback position weekly and the opponent quarterback, and we dive in. We last week we dove into Trey Owens. This week we'll take a little look at KJ Lacey who is from Sarah Land High in Mobile, who will be at that game Saturday. So that's where you can find these two great guys 
who are uh, really breaking this down as well as anywhere you'll find about the Texas-Bama game. Another super chat here. Thank you very much. Too much made about simulated pressure. Slide protection kills that scheme. The problem, slide protection puts a lot more pressures on running backs to block ends. That's how Texas killed it in the second half against Rice. Texas by 13. Uh, you guys' thoughts on that? Um, there, I mean, obviously, their coaches have to solve problems, right? Their are answers and solutions to all of these problems the defense will present to you. The, the troubling, at least the concerning thing in the Rice game was that it, it that was an issue, the simulated pressures and the twists and stunts. It was an issue at the end of last season, and you know Sark and the staff worked on it in the offseason. You know it was a it was a priority for him, and that may be a little bit disappointing that they the guys still had the communication breakdowns in a game versus Rice. So if they get it solved, they get it solved. But if they don't, Bama will exploit it. That's just the reality. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's a little, a little less likely that we're going to see as much from Bama from that standpoint just because they're they're a four-down defense. You know, they're a 4-3 defense. And so it's a little more difficult to, to, to simulate as many – multiples of pressure that say a, a three three five defense can simulate or a three four defense based on how the odds you can do a lot more things especially these three three five flyover defenses that's why these guys are doing it and and that's why I would also say Rod that that 21 personnel it's it's not ironic that we, we had our, our best stuff out of those those uh those personnel packages because of 21 personnel what it does to a three three five defense it it negates it. It negates all that flyover stuff. It, it 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 makes them line up. There's a tight end. There's two backs, and and now we can control what they're doing. When you're spread out in four wise, those three three five flyover defenses can they can do anything they want to do? Yeah. Um, so um, there's no doubt. That's why that defense has been so good because they do simulate so many different types of pressure. It can be man. It can be zone. It can be zero. Um, you, you and you really don't know because they line up there with you know three safeties and and and, and two corners and and uh, you don't know who who's going where until the ball snaps sometimes. Yep. So it's it's very difficult to get a beat on them. You line up twenty one personnel against the three three five. They better get the bus lined up. <laughs> Make the ball time in football. <laughs> yeah, a couple. I'm just going to take real quick. Sadir Mitchell getting ten fifteen snaps. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. He only got one against Rice. So. Uh, that was barely enough to get your feet wet than to go on the road and play 10, 15 snaps. I, I would say no on that. I think we're going to see more Sadir as the season moves along, especially as he continues to mature uh, there. Um, so, uh, Davey Foggett, I've learned a lot more from coaching 10 minutes than I have in a while. That's that's why we have him on. Rod and coach together, man, you uh, find somewhere better than that. Here's another Question here from Virgil Mead. Thank you, all everybody, for the question. Side. A few players mentioned communication being key and hearing line calls, et cetera, et cetera, needing improvement. How does that happen this week when we're on the road? And I think this is a great question because, yeah. to me, Jake Majors has the toughest job of any Texas player this week. It's going to be loud. Um, Jalen Ford calls the defense, but it's not going to be ears ringing, can't communicate loud when Alabama has the ball offensively. It is when Texas has the ball. Mm -hmm. So communication is absolutely a premium and the toughest task that any player has pre-snap. But kind of what are y'all's thoughts on Jake Majors, uh, how big of a task he has this week, and then that communication, the difference on the road? Because, look, Texas has played at Oklahoma State, and they've played at Arkansas. They haven't been anywhere like this. This is going to be different. 
Rod? Um, yeah, I, I would say that. I mean, I heard Kelvin Banks talking about it. We remarked about it earlier. Uh, he said that was the issue in the game was communication breakdowns because they didn't communicate. Uh, and he said that's how they're going to fix it <clears throat> is that they're going to communicate better and more effectively. And, yes, he also brought up the noise that they expect uh, Alabama to be really loud and they expect it to really hinder their ability to communicate vocally. So they're going to have signals. I'm sure. I'm sure that they'll be able to, uh, you know, communicate in other ways. Uh, also, I'm sure that there'll be uh, a lot of pre uh, like sideline adjustments about how they can communicate and what they can talk and what they can do on the offensive line. But uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that's just goes to, goes about playing on the road that's part of playing on the road in a really hostile environment uh you got to find other ways to communicate and whether that be on the wristbands whatever it may be uh coaches can be really creative about that kind of stuff yeah that's definitely a challenge and uh you know it'd be interesting to see what our what our snap count um situation is is it going to be a hand clap is it going to be verbal is it going to be the guard tapping the center letting know we're ready you've got to think through because it starts it starts with the snap count. How can we be in unison and snapping the football when the quarterback's ready, especially if we got any kind of pre-snap motion, things like that. So uh, you've got to take all that. You, you can't treat it like a home game where you can clap your hands and, and snap the ball. You may not be able to hear that. Sometimes you've got to have the guard tap the center. Sometimes you've got to uh, do it verbally. Sometimes you got to do it with a hand clap. Sometimes it's just a uh, a hand wiggle uh, by the quarterback. Sometimes it's him slapping the thigh pad. There's a million different ways to do it. We're only going to have one, I'm sure. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how we do it. Hey, so we're going to leave you guys with this tonight for all the Texas fans out there. Keys to the game. Coach, your keys to the game for a Texas victory. Rod, we're going to talk again later in the week, but your keys to the game for a Texas victory as we sit here on Tuesday night at around 8.15. All right. Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> we got to possess the ball. We got to possess the ball. I think I think the deep shot is is uh, important, but it's not paramount. We got to possess the ball. We need to, we need to control the clock. We need to we need to get first downs. We need to convert third downs. Uh, just win time of possession. Uh, Yaks. I already talked about that. Yards after the catch. That's going to help us possess the ball. It's going to help us get some explosive plays with short to intermediate routes. Well, I want explosive plays with short to intermediate routes. The only way we can do that is break some tackles or cause them to miss some tackles. Mm -hmm. The turnover margin we've already mentioned, uh, we need to be at least plus one. If we're plus two, plus three, all the better. Um, Explosives, we need to win the explosives. Uh, In the passing game, that's 16 yards or more. Run game, that's 12 yards or more. We always charted that. That's always been a big thing going even back to to Mac Brown. I think that's where I got it was through Mac Brown. Win the explosives. Mm-hmm. A, in the passing game, it's a 16-yard gain or more. In the running game, it's a 12-yard gain or more. You don't have to throw the ball 40 yards over the top to get an explosive. You can throw an eight-yard curl route and an X-man turn outside and get up the field for 15, and, and now you've got 23 yards. That's an explosive. Um, and, then, and then lastly – and this may be the most important. We got to hit Milrow. That's we got to right. hit him. We may not sack him, but we've got to hit him. And when he when he drops back, we got to affect him. When he runs the ball, we've got to hit him. He needs to have grass stains all over those white pants. He needs to have grass stains all over him. Um, he needs to look like he's been in a war by the third quarter. By the third quarter, he needs to look. Taxed. 
He needs to look like he's been hit. He needs to look like he's got grass stains all over him. And 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 I think that gives us a great chance. Rod, what you got? I like that last one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I agree about hitting uh, hitting Jalen Miro. That's big. Um, I'll go. I'll start there. I'll say you gotta have you know Jalen Miro. You gotta have an assignment for him uh, every down. Uh, he's gonna be the complement in the quarterback running game. And then he, when he's passing, I think they're gonna keep his progressions pretty short and encourage him to scramble. Um, you must discourage him. So, and in addition to what Coach said, yep, hit him early and often. Uh, also, uh, for Texas, you know they they gotta I think gotta get Quinn in a rhythm, gotta get him in a groove. You know you're mm-hmm. gonna look at the few times Bama has lost at home. What since 2008? It's been like five times. You mentioned um, most of those. There's a transcendent quarterback performance. Yeah. Probably in four of those five games. I think the other one was LSU, and they just had a top five defense. Maybe Texas can beat them with a top five defense. Maybe the defense can play that well. Uh, but you need your quarterback to go in there and and, and have a great game, period. You're not yeah. going to beat Bama without Quinn having a great game. I think you start him off in a rhythm, in a groove. That goes to what we talked about, short height, the short high percentage passing game. Get him in the RPO game. That's where he's comfortable. The deep shots will come. Don't chase the deep ball. All right, yeah. it'll come. It'll come naturally. Uh, like Coach said, I agree with that. And also, jump to the defensive side of the ball, man. I think you gotta you gotta stop the run. That's what Texas defense did really well all last year. Man, you stop the run versus Bama, and you make Jalen Miro beat you from the pocket yeah. as a passer. All right, mm-hmm. we know he's an elite runner, um, but if you have you let them get the run game going, man, then you allow the playbook to be wide open. You stop the running game. Um, and they may break a couple, but I'm talking about consistently down to down. You force them into passing situations. This Texas defense, that's when you force turnovers. Most turnovers yep. are forced defending third and long. That's when you're going to be able to tee off on them a little bit. So uh, I think that's going to be – and, guys, the money downs for both. Yep. Offense and defense. Uh, Sark, he emphasized in offseason, but I believe they were 7-18 of 18 on third and fourth down versus Rice. Got to be better on money downs offensively. Defensively, last year, Texas – was seventh and eighth in the Big 12, defending third and fourth down against Bama. Got to be better than that. So money yeah. downs are going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Great point. There you go. Hey, that's some great thoughts, Texas fans, tonight from Rod Babers and Coach Brian Irwin. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, thank you to Texas fans for being here. We'll be back in the morning for coffee and football. Bobby Burton, myself, and Blake Monroe. For Rod Babers, for Coach Brian Irwin, Uh, This is Jerry Hamilton. Thank you very much for being part of the Tuesday night Longhorn live stream sponsored by Energy Texas. Welcome. Welcome.